I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to The Beat with Jojo Doman. Powered by Husker Online. Nebraska linebacker JoJo Doman gives you an in-depth look at the Husker football program and beyond. The Beat is brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. Hello and welcome again to another edition of The Beat. Sean Callahan and JoJo Doman. The Huskers get a 52-7 win over Fordham. As you heard, The Beat is brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. They are the proud title sponsor here uh, locally owned Nebraska company from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between. Check out Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. But JoJo, I asked you in the post game, and you even gave me a hard time. Um, you got your first career interception at Nebraska. Six years you've been here, and you get your first pick. And it was a big. I mean, in the game itself, it was a big moment. You, you know, the game was a little bit of a hangover. I mean, guys came out a little slow. Eleven a.m. Some home game jitters. Somebody needed to make a play. You went up there and you made a play. Got your first career interception on Saturday. Yeah, man, that was a that was a special moment. Uh, all the preparation met the opportunity, and and something good came of it. So, I'm just, you know, I'm blessed to have been part of that turning point in, early on in the game, and to get the momentum back on our side, and then just to weigh in, weigh in on the magnitude of that first pick. That's something that I've dreamt of since I've been committed, and that's something that. I used to think of as validation of, you know, once I get a pick, once I get a pick six, like I'm that guy, like I feel like I belong. It kind of goes along the lines of a black shirt. Um, and the fact that, you know, the man upstairs has has not given that to me early on in my career and has made me validate myself and, and you know, find worth in other things and ultimately in him and my love for this game and not just in a materialistic event of getting a pick you know I I couldn't have asked for it to unfold in a better way in a way where I I can get the most out of it so I mean that pick is is a beautiful moment but you know I'm already ready for the next one it was a tip ball and I have to imagine when you're sitting there watching that play develop it feels like that ball's in the air for like an hour yeah no yeah I was in man coverage on a tight end like you know his, his speed off the line of scrimmage was not great and I, I, so I got hands on and I got eyes on the quarterback, saw him release. So I just, you know, I've been trying to do a better job of, of coming out of my breaks as if the ball's going to find me on every break, even if it's away from the ball, especially if I'm, if I'm towards the play. So that, I mean, that part right there was a component of me, you know, consciously um, trying to get better at that aspect of my game. So I came off them, my man, in man coverage, tipped ball. I'm just glad I held on to it. I wish I could have stayed on my feet, but, you know, the next one I will. The old guys showed up, by the way, against Fordham. Deontay Williams, who's going to be joining us in studio on our next segment, he had two interceptions. Markel Desmuke had a block field goal. Even Samore Torre, um, technically a fifth-year senior transfer um, out of Montana, he had you know the best game arguably on the offense. Um, but the old guys showed up, and then you guys gave a lot of opportunities for some young guys to play in this game. Yeah, that's what we came back to do. Um, we're the heart and soul of this team, and we're the leaders of this squad. So. 
uh, we got to show up uh, versus Oklahoma and versus Fordham. It doesn't matter the opponent. Uh, we got to come to play and, and lead by example and, and show up in big time moments and make game changing plays. So that's the name of the game. And, you know, I'm glad that each and every one of us had our opportunities and that we capitalized on it. And we got to continue with this momentum. What was it like just to be back at home? We, we kind of touched on it, just being back in front of fans at Illinois. There was a lot of Nebraska fans there. But you almost forget what Memorial Stadium is like. And that was an 11 a.m. game. That wasn't exactly, you know, a prime night stage. But it was – I'd have to venture to guess there aren't – I mean, for an 11 a.m. game around the country, there aren't a lot of crowds like we saw Saturday, um, and especially Memorial Stadium. No, absolutely. I mean, we weren't even in full throttle, and it was still a, a, quite the experience. And it was just good to have the energy back in the stadium. So, like you said, like when, when it's a primetime game and, and – in a big time matchup like that thing is going to be loud and electric so you know I'm looking forward to that moment too now next this week you guys play Buffalo um, they won their first game against an FCS team 69 to 7 I'm sure that had to get a couple guys attention just knowing who you have coming in here next uh, what's the focus now as you guys move forward into Buffalo yeah same mindset of you know it's a nameless faceless opponent and we can't have a letdown week we can't you know feel some type of way about ourselves we beat Fordham and we're Nebraska. That's what we're supposed to do. I mean, I, Isaac Gifford at halftime spoke on that. It was like, we're Nebraska. It's 24-7, to 7, but we're Nebraska. Like, we got to keep going. And that just, I think that hit home for a lot of guys. And we got to continue to instill that, that mindset in our brain and, and, and to live it. So this week, we're going to attack practice like any other week. But, you know, we're going to be focused in on what they do well. And we're going to try to take away their assets and, and capitalize on their liabilities and, and keep this momentum going. What was it like in the post game? I mean, was it just kind of a business as usual win in that locker room? Or, I mean, were guys celebrating? I mean, what was it like just to have a full locker room? Because last year you guys didn't even really necessarily have a full locker room for games, but just to have everybody in there, almost 90 guys played in the game itself. I mean, it, sure, it had to be pretty fun for everybody afterwards. No, it was. The energy was high, and, and there's a lot of good emotions going around the locker room, and, and that's what we need. We that, That's what football's about. It's about that shared camaraderie, and, and sharing that with your teammates is special. So, for us to have that moment, you know, that's a step in the right direction. And and I, I said after the game, like, that feeling you have in your body right now, that feeling that we all share right now, like, do everything in our power each and every day, every moment, every day at practice, throughout the week, so that we can have this, this same feeling again next Saturday. And you're listening here to The Beat with JoJo Doman. And one of the cool things that we do each week on The Beat is the Husker Heartbeat Give Back, and, and that's in partnership with our title sponsor, Edgewater Insurance in Real Estate. And each week, Edgewater um, will give $1,000 to a different charity of JoJo Doman's choice here. And this week, we are bringing in Laura Hancock from Cure Search, and they raise awareness and raise money uh, for childhood cancer. They've been around for years, and they are the recipient of the $1,000 um, in our Husker Heartbeat give back. Laura, thank you for taking some time to join us, and, and we're honored to be a part of your cause at CureSearch. Yeah, thank you for having me. And just a you know personal thank you on behalf of CureSearch uh, for picking us as one of the charity recipients. We're grateful. Well, yeah, um, let everybody know just more about your organization. You've been around a long time, uh, but just some yeah. of the ground that you guys have been able to break over the years at CureSearch. Yeah, definitely. Um, so CureSearch has been around for over 30 years, so definitely quite a while. Um, our mission is to end childhood cancer 
by driving targeted and innovative research, but within an accelerated time frame because kids need cures now. Um, there are 47 children diagnosed every day with cancer. Um, and for some of those more rare types of cancer, there are not treatments available. And so our mission at Cure Search is to really fund that unmet need, the types of cancer that aren't currently being researched by other organizations, and really getting that research from the bench to the bedside quickly because those kids' lives are depending upon it. Laura, if any of our listeners want to uh, donate to your cause, uh, let us know how we can find Cure Search. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you can go to CureSearch.org. Um, we are having a an event September 18th in Omaha at Village Point. It is going to be a car parade. We're modifying from our our normal walk, uh, but it is going to be our 16th annual event in Omaha. So if you want to donate to that event specifically, you can do so at CureSearchWalk.org backslash Omaha. Laura, man, I'm really excited to meet you guys and build this relationship on Saturday, and I'm glad that we can help in any way that we can. No, thank you so much, Jojo. We really appreciate it. Well, that's Laura Hancock from Cure Search, the recipient of this week's Husker Heartbeat Give Give Back uh, in in um, junction with our sponsor Edgewater. They received a thousand dollars this week on the beat. Laura, thanks again for joining us, and once again, we're honored to be a part of your cause. Thank you, us as well. All right, much more to come when we come back on the beat. We're going to be joined in studio by Nebraska safety Deontay Williams and wide receiver Samore Torre. You're listening here to the beat. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman. Brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to the beat. As you heard, Nebraska 52-7 winner over Fordham and uh, teased it uh, in our opening headline segment. Uh, we're going to have some special guests here joining us uh, with JoJo Doman. Uh, this segment of the beat brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. If you didn't get a chance, JoJo and I are on a very goofy, <laughs> funny Tanner's TV commercial. Give us a hard time because we deserve it, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, Tanner's, though, was a great place. JoJo, you went in there after the game, had dinner. Bryce McGowns, who was in the commercial, he was in there as well. Uh, but just a great sports bar to watch college football. Totally. The commercial actually played while I was in there yesterday with my family, which was kind of surreal. That's, that's kind of weird. No, or, it was weird. You're like, whoa, wait, wait, <laughs> that's me. But anyway, let, let's get into who, who we have joining us now. Deontay Williams and Samari Torre, uh, two of the standouts in your guys' win stopping in to join us here for a segment. Take it away, JoJo. No doubt. I've had the pleasure of playing with Deontay the last three seasons and Samore this year, and I get to face Samore every day in practice, and we definitely uh, make each other better, and he brings a lot of speed to the table, so that's been good for, I mean, the whole the whole defensive side of the ball. Um, Samore, to start with you, talking about that speed, what's the, what's the difference in the speed of the game coming from that FCS uh, level? to now Nebraska, um, I guess Illinois in particular, like how is the speed of the game different? Uh, I would say it's definitely, you know, a little bit faster. Uh, I would say the main thing is just just the athletes, 
there, there's just overall better athletes, you know, at the FBS level. You know, obviously, you know, if you get an FBS offer versus an FCS offer, you're going to go FBS, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'll say the speed of the game was a little bit faster, uh, and, there, and there's, there's better athletes. But, you know, going against you guys every day, uh, prepare me for it. Like you know, it was it, it was something that I got used to just be going through spring ball and fall camp. So I'll give credit to you guys for getting me ready. Absolutely, that's that's our job, right? Mm-hmm. Get each other ready. Uh, sticking with you, you didn't play football in 2020, right? Right. COVID, all that jazz happened. Now, what did you do to prepare? Did you know you're coming into to Nebraska? And what did you do to prepare by yourself? Really, how did you train? What was that like? Uh, it was tough, you know, you know, not playing in 2020. Uh, that was like my first fall not playing football since I was in like second grade, right? So yeah. it was something I definitely wasn't used to, you know. And it was hard to watch, you know, the rest of the country basically play while I'm, I'm on my couch. But uh, the really th- only thing I could do is, you know, work out on my own, you know, when I was at Montana. Because once I entered the transfer portal, like I can't work out with the team anymore. So yeah. I really just uh, hit the field on my own and – uh, hit the weight room a little bit, but then once once I got home, you know, I got with my trainers and you know made sure I, I stayed in shape and and was ready to go when I when I made my decision. Absolutely, man. From the second you stepped on here, you uh, you, you showed electricity and and how you played the game. So that doesn't surprise me how you prepared and all that. Appreciate that. Switching over to Deontay, man, I've been playing with Deontay for three years. Four career ints. Just came off two picks last week, man. How was that? How did you? Uh, how are you ready to, to capitalize on those moments when they came your way? Man, it's just a blessing. Um, woke up this morning, prayed on it. I asked God to give me the energy and the power and give my teammate the energy, the power mm. to execute. Um, but other than that, I'm just happy and blessed. Yes, sir. Yeah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Talking, uh, so Deontay's got this thing where, you know, he's not, I'm, I'm going to speak for you a little bit here. He, he's not really concerned about the external noise or, or accolades or anything like that. He he uses this term field soldier. Yeah. Can you can you tap into that for us? And, and what does that mean to you? And, and what do you mean by a uh, field soldier? Field soldier is me is being a team player. Um, I'm not a selfish guy. Um, I'm give you 110 percent every day, every day. It don't matter if my body was falling apart. No, I play this game with my heart. And um. Other than that, being a field soldier, you don't care what situation you're in, you're just going to try to make it work. No doubt. Regardless. Yeah. I second all that. Deontay do show up every day banged up, and he still goes 110%. And honestly, it raises the bar of everybody else on defense because mm-hmm. he's flying around even when he don't feel like it. So when we're not feeling like it, it's like just feeding off his energy. We all raise our bar, and you know that's that's what team is right there. Yeah, Deontay is gonna come to work every day, and he's gonna <laughs> let you know about it too in the locker room after. <laughs> My locker is right next to his, and I hear him, you know, every day after practice, bro. I believe it. Yeah, I believe got, it. You got I mean, them fresh legs too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you guys what, what's really unique about this group right here is we got a guy from Portland, Oregon, a guy from Colorado, and a guy from Florida. And when I think about Nebraska, this is Nebraska right here. Just the diversity of of, of a locker room with a guy from Florida, Oregon, and Colorado, and a guy right here on a microphone from Lincoln. I mean, all of us are sitting here talking. I mean, that that's Nebraska football in a nutshell. No doubt. Right. Yeah, that's one of the first things you know I noticed when I got here is like. And that's the thing with football in general. You just get, got so many people from so many different areas, and it's easy to connect. You know, when you guys all got uh, one one common goal. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of sports, like the prototypes, the body prototypes are pretty similar. Um, and then you go to football and you can have like a 180 pound corner that flies and then you need a 380 pound D tackle that can mm -hmm. plug the hole. So it, a lot of diversity in this game. Um, tapping back into when you guys were younger, um, when you were growing up, we all wanted to play football uh, growing up, probably playing the NFL, I'm assuming. And who, who did you model your game after? Who did you want to be? Who did you aspire to be um, back in the day? And, and, and that take that away. Uh, I was aspired to be like a Brian Dawkins. Oh, Brian yeah. Dawkins, uh, he from the neighborhood I'm from. Uh, he from Jacksonville, Florida, just as well as me. And watching him and seeing what, like how he prepared for game, how, how much he was a praying warrior mm -hmm. yep. before a game. I, I like, I've seen that as like a testimony of my life as well. You know, everybody have different stories. Everybody have different chapters. Everybody have their own book to tell mm -hmm. one day in life. So other than that, Brian Dawkins was one big role model. And I can't forget about this dude right here, Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor mm -hmm. was my guy. Mm -hmm. Sean Taylor was my guy. Like the way he approached the game, how big he was, uh, how physical he was, how fast he was, he could cover. He could. He, he was a guy that could do everything, especially when he was at Miami to you. Yeah. And yeah, and they had they little great little run. Yeah, him, right there, like, like right there, made me want to play defense. Right no there. doubt. Yeah, I always when part one of the league, I always wanted to get a big hit. Yep. Just to remind, like, Brian Dawkins of uh, Sean Taylor. Yeah. You know? So. Do my guys right there. How about you? Uh, for me, I would say the number one dude I would try to model my game after was uh, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, mm. for sure. You know, similar to Deontay with, with Ed Reed and, and Sean Taylor, just the way he approached the game, you know. Uh, you know, he always, you know, kept it loose. Uh, but at the same time, he was always focused. And, you know, he, he wasn't the biggest guy. You know, he was slight. But uh, he would always get so much separation. He, he was just a, a technician, you know, in my opinion, the greatest route runner of all time. Uh, just the way he got in and out of breaks, you know, the way he was just electric, you know. And also, you know, the way he, he celebrated, too, before that was in style. You know, right. he was getting fined for that every game. Uh, and then now it's encouraged, you know. So, you know, he was just a trendsetter, you know, on and off the field and, that was someone who I really, you know, modeled my game after. No doubt. They're both those guys, all three of those guys, man, mm -hmm. Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yep. And they definitely paved the way, showed us how it's done as young ballers. Like, we aspire to be, like, the next generation. And, and little do we know, like, the little ballers that are coming watching us play want to be just like us one day. Right. Yeah, so. that, that's crazy. That's, like, the crazy thing. Like, you know, when I got to college, like, because I remember when I was – you know, younger, going to college football games and even high school football games, I would look at those dudes like they were gods or something. Like, right. You know, I would worship the ground that they walk on, and it's kind of surreal that now we're in that position. Yeah, dude, that, that's a good point. Like, you got to – we had to – as we've grown up and as we've grown in this game, like, we've had to switch our mindsets from, mm -hmm. you know, idolizing these guys to, to now embodying what those guys were about, mm -hmm. like, in everything that we do. Like – instead of just looking at Sean Taylor or Chad Ochocinco and, and being like, oh, they're here and I'm here. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we close that gap and, and do everything that they did to get to where they're at and doing it in our unique way right. to get us to where we want to go, Spice it up. Yep. right? right. That's awesome, man. Uh, last question is a little interpersonal question. Um, individually, for both of you guys, 
how do you internally tap into your your greatness your your highest self so that you're able to truly maximize and optimize the moments when they come that big catch that big mm-hmm. pick that big play in those high stress high stakes situations mm-hmm. how do you feel like you you cultivate that success earlier in the week decision decision day by day to being able to position yourself for success in that moment um I'm going to just start off when I was younger. Basically, everything it is to me is, uh, I say how I tap in is think about my mom, how much my mom sacrificed for me uh, and my brothers and sisters. She worked two, three jobs a day just to have clothes on our backs and stuff like that. And I use football as a repayment to repay her. You know what I'm saying? I wake up every day uh, I'm having positive thoughts, positive vibe all the time just just to say I get a little emotional for talking about it because mm-hmm. it means so much to me mm-hmm. her just in general her just in general I just want to repay her and make her proud you know Amen. so other than that tapping in my greatness is just something you just got to wake up and be born with you know mm-hmm. the people that you want to help in life you know people yeah. that's close to your heart yep so other than that that greatness just tapped in just think about my mom that's how much she sacrificed for me absolutely how about you tay um some more tore like tore was nice um uh yeah i agree with deontay first of all uh like if you if you're gonna be you know any type of successful you gotta have a why you know if you don't have a why then it's like what are you really doing it for and you probably you know you're gonna fall out of love with the game at some point but you know uh, I do it for my mom as well you know my mom is you know the same thing you know she worked she worked so much you know and just to make sure I had everything I ever needed you know and she's still working you know way too much for my liking you know works works graveyard shift you know up all night uh, doesn't get that much sleep so that's really something that drives me you know, I want to make it so she never have to work another day in her life, uh, buy her first house, car, all that. Uh, but another thing is just, you know, attacking every single day because you talk about high-stress environments. And, you know, we've heard this so much. You don't rise to the level of the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. And that's just the realest thing ever because, you know, if you put in that work every single day, when you're in front of 90,000 and the game's on the line, you're going to do what you're doing every single day. It's, it's muscle memory. Right. And I'll say another thing for me is just visualization. That's something that's been big for me ever since, like, even before my first college football game uh, at Montana. Like, I didn't even do it on purpose, but, like, every time I go to sleep, you know, before the game, even a couple nights before the game, I'm just – that's all I can think about is the game. And I'm just picturing myself, you know, making plays, catching balls, you know, making people miss, scoring touchdowns. And it's really crazy how it translates into the game because it would be times when – I catch a ball that I literally, like, I visualized the night before. And it, that's the one thing that, you know, really, that's how I tap into my greatness. Absolutely, man. We are, we're all carried, I mean, everyone who's successful is carried by their why. Mm-hmm. And if we can have a, a, a squad that's, that, that's tapped into their why, tapped mm-hmm. into their heart, man, and, and is leading with that, man, we're going to be successful in everything that we do beyond football and in football. Appreciate mm-hmm. you boys joining us, man. Let's go get after Buffalo. Yes, yes sir. sir. All right, thanks again to Deontay Williams and Samore Torre for joining JoJo. When we come back here on The Beat, we'll be joined by former Husker Jack Stahl, who's an active roster member now of the Philadelphia Eagles. Jack Stahl joins us next. You're listening here to The Beat. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Dolman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on the beach. Sean Callahan, Jojo Doman, as we just heard from Deontay Williams and Samore Torre. This segment of the beat brought to you by Pioneer Seed. The world depends on farmers, but who can farmers depend on at Pioneer? Our teams are dedicated to serving farmers year-round. Pioneer, an American seed brand since 1926. Well, Jojo, uh, we got another guest joining us here over the phone, a guy that's very close to you, also a Colorado native, Mm -hmm. and now the newest member of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jack Stahl. Jack Stahl, welcome to the beat here with Jojo Doman. Hey, I appreciate y'all. Good to be here. Heck yeah. Jack, man, it is hard to believe that in 2016 we were moving into Selleck and now we're over here having a phone interview. Um, six years later, you're on a team. I'm in my sixth year. Crazy. How about that? Hey, hey I'll tell you what. It's, it's been a long journey. You know, we came a long way from just making them Selleck waffles every day for breakfast. <laughs> so, listen, it's, uh, hey, it's been a crazy journey for both of us. And, you know, hey, if anyone would have told us, you know, you would be back for six years, I probably would have been laughing at them back in uh, 2016. No doubt. Now, we both bet on ourselves this year. I bet on myself by coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as much, you bet on yourself by foregoing your sixth year and preparing for the NFL draft. What was that like in 2020 going through COVID and preparing for the next level? Uh, what were you doing and what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think anyone who played in 2020 is going to tell you that was a wild year, wild ride for anyone. Uh, you know, it was it was crazy. You know, like you said, we both bet on ourselves just in different ways. You know, one of us bet on black, one of us bet, bet on red kind of, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of think, you know, it was, it was, it was definitely a challenge, you know, and then on top of, you know, all the COVID stuff going around, I ended up getting a, uh, getting a knee injury during the 2020 season from the first game. So, uh, you know, listen, a lot, a lot of ups and downs through 2020, but, uh, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is we all ended up overcoming it. But you know, hey, between training, getting my mind right, and stuff like that, listen, hey, we're finally here. That's awesome, bro. Now, who did you train with? Did you go back and train with Landau back in Denver? Yeah, so I was I was over at a place, uh, yeah, called Landau Performance. For everyone in Nebraska who doesn't know, that's that's a spot where a guy named Lauren Landau ended up, you know, starting probably 20 years ago and you know he's uh he's actually elevated he's the head bronco strength coach now and he ended up you know so he's not able to be as affiliated with it but you know they've done a great job of training you know a bunch of big name dudes and you know everyone who goes there ends up testing out really well for the combine so that's where i ended up going and you know luckily it was it was right in my backyard so you know made life pretty easy for me yeah if i remember correctly that's like like literally in your backyard is it not Hey, it's a nice 15, 20 minute drive. So trust me, it was uh, it was pretty pretty light on the pocket right now. For sure, I uh, I trained with Landau my junior year in high school, and I remember the strides I made in speed was impeccable. So, and and anyone who knows Landau knows that he works with Christian McCaffrey pretty religiously, and it helped him get to the place that he's at. So that dude, that dude's a special guy that that knows his stuff and obviously knows how to get the most out of his athletes and. 
Um, I loved it. Love to hear that you went back and worked with him and obviously got you right. Now, transitioning to that night before final cuts. Um, take yourself back to that night. What was that like? What were your what were you feeling um, in that moment? You know, it, it was kind of an evolution to where even the night before cuts, uh, I, I just kind of realized, hey, I did everything I could. I, I came in every single day. I, I did everything as far as on the field mentally and, uh, you know, balled out. And so, you know, I was, I was feeling pretty confident about everything. But, you know, one, one thing I learned pretty quick is if you, if you start counting the numbers, you know, when, when guys go from 90 to 53, you start focusing on the wrong stuff. And, you know, if you, if you – I know it sounds cliché. But, uh, you know, if you just go in and try to get better every single day, you, you'd be amazed at, you know, how much progress you can make and when you're not thinking about making a roster or how, oh, if they cut this guy, then I'm going to be gone or, or blah, blah, blah. Uh, people would be amazed at how much, how much strides they could make. So, you know, I, I kind of shifted my focus into more just getting better every single day, probably halfway through camp. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I noticed huge differences in, you know, not only everything physically on the field, but mentally I just felt a lot better. And, uh, you know, was, was calm with everything because there's definitely a point halfway through camp where, you know, I, I think kind of I was thinking a little bit too much about, you know, the 53 and, you know, if I was going to make it and this and that, um, because we have we have a really deep tight end room out here in Philly. And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm honored to be one of the dudes that ended up making the uh, making the 53. But, you know, that's that's kind of the biggest thing is just doing that. So, you know, really, really to answer your question the night before, you know, I think I was just hanging out probably watching probably watching some movie and uh <laughs> you know it it was uh it, it was a pretty relaxing time you know as, as crazy as that sounds and i just kind of realized i was calm with everything just because i knew i did everything i could it sounds like halfway during camp that you you came to a point where you you just bet on yourself and you just you you stopped being timid and you just let it fly is that true and, and and in that belief, how, how did you overcome that doubt in your mind and, and truly just believe that, like, you're made for this and that you can do this? Absolutely. You know, I would say halfway through camp, it was, you know, you go, you go into a camp, there's seven tight ends on the roster, and, you know, you're not getting that many reps, and, you know, that's when you start really kind of worrying. You know, you're, you're the undrafted guy with a, uh, with a 40 numbers at tight end, which normally isn't too great of a sign. But, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of when I, I just realized – Hey, listen, if, if all I can do is go out there and, you know, make the most of, you know, the four reps that I was getting every single day, that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to do. And, you know, I think mentally it just, it honestly just felt much better just as soon as I kind of switched that mindset and, uh, you know, started worrying about just getting better day in, day out and not worrying about the 53 and stuff like that. And, you know, it taught, it taught, it took a little bit of uh, an adjustment period of, you know, just talking to some of the veteran guys and kind of being able to realize that's, that's kind of what ends up, you know, separating some guys are, you know, the mindset. So that's, that's kind of where I started talking to some guys trying to, trying to pick, pick their brains and figure out, you know, how, how should I be thinking around this? You know, what's, what's the best way to, uh, you know, attack this. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it ended up working out. Listen, I think my headspace is in, you know, probably the best space it's been in since we were there in Selick in 2016. So <laughs> listen, I, I've been, I've, I, I've been involving and uh, we've been getting there and, Listen, I, I'm just proud of where I came, and I know there's a lot more to come. Yeah, that's – yeah. Once once you shifted from that process, once you shifted from, like, that perfection-oriented um, where you were just so hyper-focused on making the team and 
you switched into the process of just embracing every day, the adversities and attacking every day, good things start to happen. I, I've seen that in my own career. Um, any guy who's come up into this podcast room has spoke on that. And that seems to be a common thread of, of what it takes to be successful. Um, Jack, so what's, tell me, man, what's, what's been the biggest difference? Um, the NFL, how, how has that been different? What's the biggest difference? Boy, I'll tell you mentally, it, it's a different game. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be in the huddle and, you know, it's definitely a little more complex than college where, you know, you'll go into a huddle, there'll be two, two plays called in the huddle and you got to understand, you know, based off the kills, which, which play we're using, whether it's man zone. And then just based off of those plays, um, you know, they, they can check, they can check a play into something different. So it's, uh, you know, mentally it, it took a lot of getting used to. And, you know, that's where, you know, going to OTAs back in May really helped and, you know, just diving deep and watching, you know, as many old videos, as much tape as I could just to understand the offense really helped. But, you know, that, that would be the biggest, uh, I, I would think the biggest difference between, you know, college and college and the pros. And then obviously, you know, just, just calling a spade a spade on college, there, there are some guys, you know, when you're going into twos and threes, there's a big difference between them and the starters. In the right. NFL, it's, it's very minuscule. You know, the difference is, you know, between a starter and some guy who's second string and might not make the roster, it could be something as simple as, you know, their technique's just not as great. They could be just as good of an athlete, if not better. But it's uh, it's unbelievable how deep every single roster is, and you know, especially here in Philly, to where, you know, you, you could be on with the twos, and they they could be just as good as the ones. And on a lot of occasions, it's just the difference is the minor different minor details and stuff like that. So listen, it's uh, it, it's definitely been been an adjustment. And listen, I like I said, I think halfway through camp, I ended up starting to realize that and soaking it in, but. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's gone, uh, it's gone pretty well, I would say now, uh, Hey Joe, I do got a question for you. What, what's it like being, uh, you know, the old <laughs> dude in that room, being, being the sixth year, how, how's that feel? Yeah, it's a little different, man. It, it just, you know, everyone's looking to the old guys for, for reassurance, for the direction of this program and to, to be in this spot to where like, I'm just, you know, at, at, at the head, um, of that component, it, it, it means a lot and, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So just understanding that not only do I need to show up for myself and everything that I want to accomplish personally, but to show up for this team and this program and that, you know, I can't have an off day because that affects, you know, hundred plus men in our locker room. So, um, even when, even when I'd rather, you know, take some alone time, which alone time, I'm not taking anything from alone time, but guy, guys need, need a voice, need a voice of reason and, and a direction to follow. So just be in that direction. All right, well, let's pick this back up with Jack Stahl here as more to come. You're listening to The Beat. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to The Beat. Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman, as 
We continued things with Jack Stahl. The segment of The Beat is brought to you by Gary Michaels Clothiers on 56th in Pine Lake Road. They're going to dress Nebraska football this year. They're going to dress JoJo Doman this year. So uh, we're going to get JoJo in a suit from Gary Michaels at some point this year. And I know his mom and dad are here today, and they're, they're looking forward to seeing JoJo in a suit. Yeah, I'm sure my mom would love seeing me look all dressed up and nice like that with a tie. That's, you know, I need some help with the tie. But besides that, I'm ready to go. All right. Well, let's pick things back up. Jack Stahl, the Philadelphia Eagles, former Husker, joining JoJo here on the beat. Jack, man, I got to be honest with you. I'm still a little upset that we never got to face off Regis versus Pine Creek back in the day. How you feel about that? Hey, I'm right there with you, man. If you boys would have, uh, you know, thrown a few more people in your school, you would have played 5A and played us, man. But, hey, it was uh, – Hey, it's one of those deals. It, w- it would have been awesome to play you guys because you guys, hey, between you, Avery, you, it was Avery, and then uh, I'm, I'm missing someone else y'all had, but y'all, y'all had some boys playing down there. Dude, that's right, man. 4A, man, that don't define us, baby. We was ready to play. We was ready to rock. We uh, we beat some 5A schools. Uh, did we beat some 5A schools? We beat Fort, found Fort Carson and barely lost to Columbine that I know kicked your guys' tail. So, I mean, we was we was we would have showed up versus y'all. Hey, that's that's cute. You think that, man? That's that's real cute. Yeah, I also you think know, I would have. Lo- I also think I would have locked you up. We, we, <laughs> hey, hey, that's like I said. That again, that's cute. You say that, <laughs> but uh, listen, we still got the crown over there. Five A. I got. I got no doubt. We'll four A school. We we're, we got no problem with that. That's fair. That's fair. All jokes aside. All jokes aside. Um, Jack from Regis to Nebraska to the Philadelphia Eagles, man. What has this football journey been like, man? What has it taught you personally about yourself, and, and what has it taught you about this game of life that we're all in? Yeah, listen, hey, I, I'll say this for anyone listening. I think sports is one of the best teachers, you know, you could you could ever find. And I think specifically football, just with how many ups and downs and, you know, it being probably the best team game in the world, uh, I, I think you learn a lot of lessons. And the first thing I, I learned is, you know, another cliche thing, but I'll tell you what. A lot of these cliche things, a lot of them are true, and people just get sick of hearing them. But, uh, you know, listen, I think the biggest thing is you keep working for something, you get it. Um, you know, just being honest, I, I wasn't the most athletic kid growing up. I was hey, I was the dude who was fat where, you know, hey, I, I got a patch on my jersey. I'm only allowed to play a lot. Right. Up. And, you know, no, no one confused me as being the best athlete. Like, I was going to be some guy heading straight to the league. Um but, you know, I, I had a bunch of cousins who were playing college football, and I just kind of put my mind to it that I wanted to play big-time college football. You know, sometime in middle school, I saw how awesome, you know, the connections were with people. I saw how awesome it would be to play in front of, you know, big stadiums, competing for championships, stuff like that. So, you know, from about middle school, I decided, listen, I'm going to do everything I can to end up making it a major college football program. And so, you know, I, I ended up grinding middle school, high school, and – uh you know, there were a lot of times where, you know, I gave up, you know, hanging out with friends some nights. You know, I gave up, you know, going out and doing doing some crazy stuff that everyone knows you do in high school. And so, you know, you chop those down. You don't get as many experiences like that. And, uh, you know, but I, I was just working, making sure, you know, I kept I kept my eye on the prize. And then, you know, kind of through my junior year, I ended up getting a couple offers from some programs. I ended up kept committing to Nebraska. And, uh, you know, obviously Nebraska came and listen, just calling a spade a spade. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the experience I expected. You know, I expected us to be competing for big 10, big no. 10 championships and, yep. uh, you know, stuff, stuff like that. And, you know, I, I obviously in the back of my head had, you know, my next goal is to make it to the NFL, but also, 
you know, to be the best tight end in Nebraska history. And, you know, I, I ended up just keeping my head down, working and, you know, building relationships with all the guys and, you know, kind kind of something that learned is, listen, the only way to deal with adversity is, you know, kind of keep your head down, keep grinding, don't change what you're doing. I, uh, you know, let, let, like I said, you know, when, when we signed up to go to Nebraska, I mean, we, we were expecting to be, you know, big, winning Big Ten championships, which we, we weren't able to do. I mean, you guys still got a chance this year, and, you know, I'm rooting for it. Yep. But, uh, you know, it kind of kind of just taught me how to deal with, you know, adversity and things not going your way. And, you know, that's that I think that's something that's really valuable as far as, you know, life in general, because everyone's got a plan on, you know, how, how they want their life to go. And I can promise you, I've never heard anyone's life story just being smooth sailing. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, especially kind of wrapping my life around, you know, being a Nebraska football player for f- the five years I was there. It, uh, it really kind of taught me that, you know, listen, life's going to throw you curveballs and it's not about, you know, what you get thrown. It's all about, you know, how you react and you know if you get punched and knocked down how are you going to react to it so uh, you know i i ended up kind of te- i ended up kind of just learning you know how to how to react in the right ways and you know i'm still learning and you know i i'm a big believer in you know if anyone says they they got life figured out they're they're, they're a pretty good liar but uh you know so that that's that's kind of the big thing i learned and uh you know and the biggest lesson and you know it's obviously carried over here in philly where you know just keep your head down and keep grinding and you know if you don't worry about the outside distractions and you know you minimize those you'll end up getting what you need yeah that growth mindset man is what all successful people have um and that's Mm -hmm. something that you don't you just you got to earn it and you you don't just have it to have success it takes failure so you learn through the failure that that there is success on at the end of the tunnel and that you just have to keep grinding, adjust and adapt and do things, um, you know, double down on what you know you're doing right and, and adjusting what, what you know that could be fixed. So, And then to build off what you said, sacrifice. you got to sacrifice for what you want most in this life. Um, and if you're not willing to sacrifice the little things for these big things, then the big things will never come. So I hear you, and that's, that's awesome. That's great to hear from you, brother. Um, kind of to build on that, so how do you prepare for these big time moments, man? You're playing at the at the highest level, at the professional level. Um, how does Jack Stoll prepare himself for the big time moments um, throughout the week, and then even before the game? Like, how how do you handle that that pressure? Absolutely. You know, I I think the biggest thing is you know just preparing throughout the week. Uh, you know, you got an entire week to prepare for a game. So you know, I'm not just preparing the day of, the night before, anything like that. Uh, you know, I'm watching tape of these teams we're playing, you know, a week before, as soon as they end up getting loaded up on our iPads, I'll load that up. I'll kind of see our scheme and, you know, kind of get it under, get comfortable with that. And then, you know, kind, kind of throughout the week, you slowly start to build confidence as far as understanding what kind of defense you're expecting them to run, understanding the scheme and what we're trying to get accomplished on, you know, every single play we got on the script for the week. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's just building confidence throughout the week. And, you know, you get that through practice, you get that through watching film, you get that through, you know, just going through the call sheet, making sure you understand every play, every assignment, and you know, what they're trying to accomplish. So, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's the biggest thing is just building confidence throughout the week in the game plan. And by the time Sunday rolls around, you know, for the most part, 
you do get jitters right before the game, but I mean, you, you get caught as soon as you get that first hit, you're still feeling confident as hell because you know, you've put in the work yep. and you know, that that's kind of thing. I mean, before the game, I know, I know a lot of people end up throwing, you know, some sort of, some sort of rap, like rap on, you know, some sort of heavy metal. I mean, I'm, I'm really listening to kind of chill or music just to kind of keep me, uh, keep me level headed. And, you know, I, I think it just helps me, you know, think, think the clearest. And, you know, I, I don't think that there's, what I don't understand is three hours before a game, get, getting yourself all, all hyped up. You're going to be hyped up for three hours when the game starts. And if you need, if you need exterior motivation like that, I, I think you're playing the wrong sport personally, but Hey, that's, that's my opinion. I know a lot of guys, you know, probably don't agree with that, but you know, that, that, that's kind of what I do before a game. And, you know, like I said, we play the best game in the world. So if, if you got to get hyped up, like if, I mean, I, that, that stuff kind of surprises me. No, I'm with you. I'm the, I'm the same way. Um, I like to calm my mind, calm my nerves, kind of be at this level-headed, centralize my nervous system, just be in this almost meditative state before I go out into a high-stress, high-stake environment where anything can go wrong. So I think just internalizing all that energy and being able to like centralize all that energy so that when you go out and, and perform that you, that you have this energy built up and that you haven't been wasting it, you know, hyping yourself for the moment. You're building the energy for the moment, and that's what it sounds like you're talking about. Jack, I appreciate your time, brother, man. Good luck this season. I'm excited to watch you, bro. Best of luck to you in every endeavor from here on out. And, dude, I, 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 wish, I wish you were here with me right now and that we could be cracking jokes. But uh, appreciate your time, and uh, good luck this season, man. Hey, hey soon enough, man. I'll, I'll, I'll be back in Lincoln soon. But, uh, yeah, hey, you, you guys keep rolling. Good little, uh, good little momentum turner last weekend. So, hey, let's keep that up, too. Yes, sir. Amen, brother. I'll see you soon. All right, much more to come. All right, take it easy. Thanks again to Jack Stahl for joining us from Philadelphia. You're listening here to The Beat as we'll close the show with the mailbag next. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to The Beat, as you heard, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, your locally owned and operated insurance agency serving the heartland of Nebraska from Binkelman to Omaha and everywhere in between. And by the way, Jojo Doman, that is your favorite song on the show, right? Yeah, no, I, I specifically requested that one. No, nah, we're getting, no, we're, we're, Sean we're and I are laughing because we're, I'm done with these foo-foo songs. Like, I'm, I'm about to send Sean some songs after this. We'll start getting some vibes going up Yeah, you, you got to give the show directors the songs you want. Totally. We, we got Johnny Redden in here. We switched the open and we'll get, is it DS, whoever's the boy band, what, what's their name? Who? DSY? Or what, what's the, 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 the people that sing that song that, that we just played? Oh, I have no idea. It's a um, Korean boy band. Is it? But uh. it, It's a world famous. But anyway, we will get, <laughs> we will get that song taken off. Um, as we get into the mailbag, it is brought to you by S&W Fence, your best defense in the game. They are a locally owned Nebraska fencing company. They handle residential and commercial work both in the greater Omaha area and in Lincoln commercially. That's S&W Fence for your best defense in the game. They are a proud sponsor of this segment on the beat with JoJo Doman. As we wrap up this show, JoJo, let's 
Uh, take some questions in the mailbag. First question, um, we talked about the interception, uh, but a follow-up to that, what about superstitions? Like, what are your superstitions on game day? Do you eat something every game day? Do you drink something special? Do you have a certain song, a movie, a YouTube clip? Is there something that you do before every game? Yeah, so in high school, I think in middle school and high school, like, I, I definitely had superstitions just because I didn't know better. Um, you know, I, like, I did some, like, face paint in middle school, and then in high school, like, I started balling out in these, like, socks. So I just started wearing these same socks every game. And, you know, now at the next level, I've kind of grown out of that. Um, kind of like we touched on earlier, like all my energy, I'm trying to, I'm trying to conserve my energy and my focus so that I can, you know, be prepared for that moment and exude that energy out on the field where it matters. So yeah, when it comes to superstitions, I'm not, I'm not about that stuff anymore. All right. Moving on here to the next question in the beat. Um, this question is about bulletin board material over the years when maybe an opposing team or media member says something negative about Nebraska, how does that get to the locker room? Is there actually truly a bulletin board where people hang those things? Um, people pass out the paper. I mean, has that ever happened over your time at Nebraska? Yeah, I think, I think it has happened only a, a handful of times, like versus like key matchups, you know, when it's like a rival and, and like a coach really wants to hammer something through. Like I can remember one versus Iowa, um, you know, when the kicker, you know, waved at our sideline after they, after they hit the game winner two years ago. Um, but besides that, no, honestly, like in this day and age, everyone sees all the BS and negativity on Twitter. So it's, a, it's really on each individual on, on, first of all, avoiding that stuff. But when you do come across that stuff, just not allowing it to, to get to you and, and not giving energy to it and sure as heck not responding to it. You know, the best thing you can do is just avoid it and, and move on. So Now, if you're, if you're a player at a press conference or in a media interview and you slept, if you slipped up and you, you gave the bulletin board material, oh man, do you hear from <laughs> the coaches on that? Like the players, like, who actually is the person that gets on you if anybody – I mean, or does nobody get on you and you just kind of know you screwed up? I think it's everybody. I don't think the person knows they screw up. Usually when that happens, it's like, well, like, well, like, you know, they're justifying, you know, what they said. Like, I didn't mean it like that, da-da-da-da-da. But um, – It's out of context. Right. But I think ultimately, like, the coaches definitely uh, don't want that and, and they definitely address it. And then even players, like, we'll give, them, we'll give them a hard time. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you sounded silly. Like, that was, that was out of line or whatever it was. You know, I think it kind of gets addressed on all cylinders. There was a game um, before you were here, right before you were here, the Gator Bowl, Nebraska played Georgia. Yeah. And it was a good Georgia team. I mean, they, they just underachieved. I think Todd Gurley was hurt and came back for the game. But – at the press conference for the bowl game, they had a tight end. He was an all SEC tight end, and he makes some comment about Nebraska. He goes, "Yeah, you know, looking at it was about Randy Gregory. You remember Randy Gregory? Ooh. And it, he goes, just watching Nebraska. He goes, number forty four, Gregory. He's the one guy on their team that looks like he could play in the SEC. And it's like the rest of the team was like, wait a minute, you know, like nobody, oh. nobody else could play in the SEC on our team, right? Yeah, you don't want to give the other team free motivation." You know, like like I said, like you just want to you want to internalize everything. You don't want to show your cards. You don't want to give, you know, the other team an upper hand or, or give them something to feed off of. So really, I think the best the best approach is just silence and just showing it on the field. And Nebraska ended up winning that bowl game, which I mean, it was it was kind of funny when you go back and look at that. OK, next question has to do with alpha dogs who are kind of the loud voices, 
the guys that kind of pick up the sword in the locker room and, and kind of are the alpha dogs behind the scenes? Yeah. Um, obviously, like our two captains on defense are, are, are pretty vocal. Um, and then I'm vocal. Um, Garrett Nelson's vocal. Um, and then and then guys like Markel and Deontay and Ben, the other super seniors on the D side of the ball, like they don't speak a whole lot, but when they do, there's definitely weight behind what they're saying. So they don't just speak up to speak up. They don't just talk to talk or they're not reiterating anybody's message. Um, they're just speaking from the heart. So, you know, personally, I love hearing from guys that, that keep to themselves, but then like have something so strongly to say that they just come out and say it. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, Adrian's Adrian's the number one leader over there, and everything goes through him. But you know the offensive line it seems to be coming together more, and you know the more leaders we have on the offensive line, the better off we're going to be. And then even at the skill positions, just understanding that it takes all of us, and you know it ain't about one guy toting the rock; it's about sharing the love and everybody stepping up. So I think they're really I think they're starting to understand that, and you know we're we're on this game of really just trying to fire on all cylinders and, and build this momentum and. and and growing exponentially. So we're not we're not where we're going to be at the end of the season right now, and we understand that. All right, question on Friday home game routines. Number one, do you get to pick your roommate on the road, or do they just assign you with a guy? They just assign us. So is it the same? Who is your roommate this year? It's been uh, Gifford this year. Gifford. So is that just by position group? or I mean, they try to pair guys that have a reason to room together. I'm getting, Like you're not going to see like – a D tackle rooming with a quarterback. Yeah, like just analyzing who is roomed with who. They they definitely put a little thought into it, not too much. They have allowed us to pick at one point. Like last year, I roomed with Faldarius um, first Ohio State, which was awesome because I got to know him um, and got to talking with him. But then after that, I roomed by myself the rest of the year, which I honestly really enjoyed. It was kind of that quiet time that I needed. And I know there's some guys on our team that would prefer that, but also, you know, you just got to take care of business and you got to find that space within yourself and you, no, ma- no matter the environment. So when it comes to roommates, like you kind of just dealt whatever they give you. And you guys stay at the Cornhusker down here downtown and you have for a number of years. I, I remember that they, they do like a walk. Like I remember they used to like when the team walked in or walked out, there'd be somewhat a, a group of was there, were the people out there this year for that. Yeah, there's a handful of people on the way in, but it's usually in the morning um, of the game that yeah, there's just numbers of people, like a flood of red um, out there. And that's really encouraging, just kind of getting the juices flowing as we're walking out the out the hotel, jumping on the buses. Friday night, anything different? Like, do you guys go to a movie or anything like that? We did go to a movie. So is that new? Okay, because I saw a picture of the buses outside the movie theater, and Nebraska hasn't done that for a long time. Is that the first time that you've done a Friday night movie on a home game in a while? For some reason, no, I think we've done it one other time before, and I think it was like a couple years ago. But honestly, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. You know, I like to, like we've been talking about all show, conserve my energy, but it was nice. They got the nice theater. We all had reclining chairs. We had popcorn and, and drinks. Did you see Paw Patrol? We saw Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get my. You know what Paw Patrol is? No, it's, it's a cartoon. Okay, I, I was, you didn't get my. I have a. I have young kids, so you didn't see any uh, Su- Suicide Squad, huh? That's right. No, it was cool. Harley Quinn, man, they did a great job of working her into the film. That was probably my highlight of the day. So, uh, did the team vote, or was it just decided this is what we're going to see? Yeah, I think we didn't have like a team event after fall camp. Um, coach wanted us to recover for Illinois and, and get some, you know, quiet time, but. I think this game he wanted to make almost make up for that and, and do something as a team. So it ended up being a good turnout and everyone enjoyed it. So this week you don't know if you're going to go to a movie. That might have just been a one-time deal. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if we are. 
because that used to be like back in the day, like that was always like the Tom Osborne thing. They, they would go to a movie on Friday night before the game. Yeah, that was good. I think I think it's kind of, you know, playing with fire just because, you know, there's candy and popcorn and stuff. So dudes can have candy? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Pop? And, um, and you can get whatever you want. So people are having, okay, yeah. And that, and. And, you know, that, that just comes down to personal discipline at that point. I mean, I was in a movie theater. I, I told myself going into it I wasn't going to have anything, but I ended up having a Slurpee and some popcorn. So, I mean, it's just hard. Like, when you're in that environment, like, how can you say no to those things? And you see the jumbo bag of candy. <laughs> and you got to eat it all when you get it, right? Right. All right. Well, JoJo, um, congrats again on that first interception. I'm glad I got to be the first guy to ask you about it. And Me too. That was fun. Uh, after the game on Saturday, you guys have Buffalo this week. It's a 2.30 game, so a little bit later. Okay. Um, so looking forward to that as uh, you're home again before you're on the road for two weeks in a row. That's right, man. We're just, you know, doubling down on what we're about. we got to fix the little mistakes, a lot to learn from this film. Win or lose, there's always something to learn from. So, you know, we're going to put our best foot forward on, on Saturday and let the result take care of itself. Thanks for listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, powered by Husker Online. Join us for another show next week, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate.